Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thanks for listening to AFR. Fred Jackson joins me, Tim Wildman, this morning. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. It's sunny out there. We, the rain has stopped finally. Where we live. Where we live. You might be able to go golfing soon, Tim. Yeah, maybe. Dry out enough. <laughs> maybe we'll be able to go go uh, hit the links. Uh, today's Thursday, July the 22nd, 2021. In case you didn't know, Chris Woodward is joining us in studio. Chris? Yes, thank you very much. I lost six pounds walking over here in the heat. <laughs> Yeah, it's how it's how you do it. Chris Ray Ray Pritchard joins us from KC Kansas. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Tim. How you doing? Weather report from Kansas City, Kansas. Sunny, eighty-one degrees, going up to man. That's beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. it's good. Yeah, good weather. That sounds really. Uh, (laughs) I'll be at your house for supper. (laughs) We got it. Come on. Uh, We here in the the deep south. We've had a pleasant, which you grew up in, Ray. We've had a pleasant summer so far, but a little wet. We're about to pay for it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as August approaches. For those who've grown up in this region of the country knows that's the most hot and humid month usually. Uh, and so, but 81, wow. Mm-hmm. Sign me up for that. Yeah. I mean, this is good. It's in in right. Ju- July the 22nd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Woodward Stop. is uh, filling in mm-hmm. today for Fred Jackson, who's filling in today for, who are you filling in today for? Uh, well, no, this is permanent. This is permanent, yes. Yes, this Walker left us. Yes. Uh, to do the 1 to 2 o'clock hour mm-hmm. each day. Uh, we've switched around, so Chris is on most most days. Uh, Chris, just looking across the way at you here in our studio, uh, you remind me a little of Dorf. Oh, thank you very much. No, and uh, I mean that as, uh, I don't know, uh, it's really not a compliment or, or a non-compliment. It's just that your seat... <laughs> Yes. That you're sitting in appears to be almost to the ground. Yes, and thanks to the magic of radio, you don't know, unless you've seen me, that I am probably uh, shorter than a hobbit. So, yes, it it kind of amplifies. Let's just say when I get to glory, Zacchaeus and I will have something to talk about. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you'll see that Chris is – you'll see Chris is – uh, upper upper chest yes. and his head. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. going to get a cushion the next next week. Yes. So what are how, what are you five eight? I'm five six on a good day, if the sun shines hey, just are, right. There are a lot of great men in history that have been five six that have accomplished great things. Napoleon. Napoleon. Yeah, didn't end well, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a roll for a while yeah. there. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Um. All right, so a lot to talk about today. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll have a, a gentleman on, be our guest, Mike Mason. He'll be in studio. Mike was an addict, uh, alcohol, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and uh, he has written a, a devotion for for those who are coming through addiction, and uh, it's called uh, the Amazing Grace Addiction Bible Study, and we're going to let him share his testimony. It's powerful, and... Uh, talk about how this Bible study can help those who are uh, coming out of or going through uh, addiction. So we'll talk about that. Dr. Alex McFarlane will be on with us at 1045 Central Time. So we look forward to visiting with Brother Alex. What are you going to ask him, Fred? 
Alex. We're going to talk to Alex about what the Bible has to say about work ethic. There's some you know, stories, ongoing stories in the news right now about a lot of people, even though our jobs are available, they don't want to take the jobs because they're happy sitting at home with unemployment checks from Joe Biden. So uh been reading through Proverbs lately, and Proverbs has a lot to say about God designed work to be a joyful thing, part of a joyful life. And so we want to talk to Alex a little bit about that, what Scripture says about the good things about working. Looking forward to it. Chris, what's up first on the news docket? Well, President Joe Biden went on uh, live television last night for a primetime town hall style meeting. Uh, CNN's Don Lemon was the moderator there, so he had a live audience. Tough interviewer right there. Yes, it was. I'm surprised he went on. <laughs> well, and this is one good example of uh, Don being a, a good interviewer here. Didn't interrupt, didn't interject here, uh, didn't really ask any kind of follow-up questions, uh, but what we're going to hear here is some audio of President Joe Biden stumbling through an answer, a Q&A, if you will, on uh, kids and vaccinations. Clip one. That's underway, just like the other question that's illogical, and I've heard you speak about it because you always, I'm not being solicitous, but you, you're always straight up about what you're doing. And the question is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are, why can't the, the, the experts say, we know that this virus is, in fact, uh, um, uh, is, 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 it's going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. That's underway, too. I expect that to occur quickly. Well, that means, you mean for the FDA? For the FDA. Yeah. How did he now, get through the FDA out of that? And you didn't edit that. No, I did not. That was... Shown widely and discussed widely amongst many Americans and other people last night on social media. That's just painful to listen to. Yeah. That's president of the United States. Man. Right there. Live, but it was live TV. Live television. Yes. Now, it, was a, it was a simple question from Don Lemon mm-hmm. with regards to where the president stands on kids getting vaccinated. Right. Correct? No, yes. I, I didn't get anything. I, Maybe I missed it. Did he ever answer the question? He did not. No. And, you know, on one hand, like, I appreciate the fact that Don didn't interrupt him to try to save him from another blunder on live television. But he didn't follow up like, but, so just to clarify, or nothing like that. You mean that. the FDA? He was trying to help him out like we all do when when older people can't gather their thoughts and we right. want to help them finish their sentence so that they don't True. feel like they're embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, we all do this. That's common. And, I'm, you know, you know I... I I don't care for CNN, but mm-hmm. you also don't. You wouldn't expect a interviewer to. You know what I'm saying? Right. To try to. I do. Uh, so, uh, but at the same time, uh, the network didn't get an answer to the question. Did he follow up and say you didn't answer my question? He did not. Okay. He did not. No. Now, uh, you know, I think it's it's troubling for the administration that clearly has been all over the place on COVID nineteen masks, immunizations, what have you. Um, Vaccine passports, all these things. Uh, and so for you to give a nonsensical answer, I mean, literally people were like transcribing some of the gobbledygook from last night's town hall meeting to show you exactly what the president was saying on national television. It's not hyperbole to say there were a lot of, I have no idea what you're talking about here kind of moments. Well, he did say that uh, the president did say mask for uh, kids kids mm-hmm. yes he is in favor of uh kids 12, Under 12. Yeah. right yeah uh and that 
coincides with the uh, recent recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics that children over the age of two and staff wear masks in school uh, this fall. So we do have some sound here. And the uh, president- you know what I would like to do to those mm-hmm. people who recommended right there? I would like to put them in charge of the three-year-old nursery. <laughs> Everywhere, they ought to have to go serve uh, three in churches and schools, yeah. and just do the do 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 you an hour, an hour and a half with three year olds, and you keep, you keep their mask on. Yeah. Well, and you know, I know some three or four year old boys, especially that would probably like trade a mask because that's got you know PJ masks on it versus a Paw Patrol or something like I that. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It is. I don't care if they're the American Academy of what. The Academy of Pediatrics, which is a long liberal organization. Uh, Wonderful, I'm sure, made up of wonderful people who are serving our country while keeping kids healthy. But Mm -hmm. that recommendation right there is ridiculous. Right. I mean, I've, you know, I've covered, as has a lot of other people here, uh, the whole mask issue. And listen, the science is all over the place on that. So to say that kids over the age of two should wear one is questionable. Whatever whatever happened to the early direction on this that young people especially kids under 12 don't have to worry about this they're not affected no, right. they're not affected by right, it. go ahead it's almost impossible that these children are going to get covid and i mean they are the, the chance of them getting it is so infinitesimally small and then second that it's going to be a severe case it's even smaller than that this is uh this, this is I want to say kind of a child abuse to treat our our young children this way. Well, I, Tim, you gave the right answer. Let's let some of these legislators spend an evening with mask up three and four year olds. They'll change yeah. their mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think some of it too has to the recommendation that kids wear masks um, and staff. I think some of it has to do with uh, concerns, the stated concerns from teachers' unions uh, that they want uh, protections, guarantees that they're going to be kept safe or protected. Um, but there are science, no guarantees. Well, that's true. There's no guarantees in life, and you know there is science to say that kids are not the spreaders of COVID-19 that we thought they might have been this time last year when everything shut down. And you have some uh, schools that still don't know whether or not they're going to meet for in-person classes, regardless of the masks and vaccination issue. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's probably going to come down to blue state, red state. Yeah. Again, uh, you know, red blue states will be covered in, you know, covered up and, and masked up and forced vaccines, and red states will be uh, allowing more freedom mm-hmm. and options for local school boards. Yeah, and they'll so get forth. hammered uh, yes. for it by CNN or MSNBC or some other uh, – Obvious left-wing liberal network. I do have some sound here. Um, Let's do this because there has long been a debate um, on whether or not the Senate should get rid of the filibuster. And Democrats right now in today's America have wanted to get rid of the filibuster in order to get their agenda through. And there has been a lot of criticism that the filibuster is a, quote, relic of Jim Crow. That's what some uh, Democrats, including, I believe, even Barack Obama has said. Uh, and Don Lemon, to his credit, did ask uh, Joe Biden about this issue last night. Clip 11. If you you agree with the former president, he is called, your, your, as you call him, your old boss, that it is a relic of Jim Crow. It is. If it's a relic of Jim Crow, it's been used to fight against civil rights legislation historically. Why protect it? There's no reason to protect it other than you're going to throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. All right. Nothing at all will get done. 
Okay. You got to explain that answer to me there. Well, the president I, I, I'm not sure is I not follow. the president is not in favor of getting rid of the filibuster, which members of his own party that supported him endorsed him for president have called uh, on the Senate to get rid of. I, I I think Joe Biden was in the Senate for many many years, and Republican and Democrat senators who have been there a long time, maybe with the exception of Chuck Schumer, <laughs> understand that having the filibuster in place and, you know, some conservatives have been upset when they have been the majority party with what the filibuster can quash their agenda, but they understand it's there as a protection measure against a simple majority 50 plus the vice president coming in and voting and the party in power getting whatever they want. So I I think Joe Biden still has enough respect for that tradition to say we better not that's why he used the words there'll be chaos if we allow this because he understands when the party in control changes to republican republicans would do the same thing and we've talked to republican senators who have defended the filibuster for this very reason when there's a party change it's going to affect the opposition just just i'll just define filibuster uh for those who don't understand it. Most people do. And then, Ray, you can comment. What we're talking about, folks, is uh, sen- there are 100 senators, okay? And uh, what the Senate rule is and has been for a long time is in order to get anything passed, you have to have 60 of those 100 vote in favor, all right? Well, uh, for the last few years, we've been a, basically at a, at a 50-50, not not close to it so the republicans nor the democrats under trump or obama and now biden really can get anything done legislatively because they can't reach that 60 vote threshold because there aren't enough senators uh, on the uh in the opposite party that wanted to come along and vote in favor of uh, whatever the legislation was so that's what's going on here uh, I understand both sides of this issue, uh, and I, I understand the wisdom mm-hmm. of not wanting to. I think that's what Biden was referring to, mm-hmm. even though he was, he was he's contradictory in his to say one thing's racist, but yes, say I'm in favor of it. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But uh, anyway, go ahead, Ray. Well, if you go back to the answer that Joe Biden gave. Don Lemon set him up. He said it's a relic of Jim Crow. That means, folks, it's bad, okay? So the president's very first sentence is, I agree, it's a relic of Jim Crow. Your next sentence then has to be, logically, we've got to get rid of the filibuster. Are are we left to conclude that the president is in favor of a Jim Crow-era filibuster principle? No, I mean, I think Tim... Uh, and Fred, you guys, your answer was exactly right. He understands from a political point of view, we shouldn't get rid of the filibuster. We need to keep it. But he doesn't have the courage to say what he really believes. So what we got is an answer that's basically word salad and self-contradictory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do you, I didn't watch the, uh, what would you call it, town hall? Town hall, yes, sir. Yeah. Last night, uh, a town hall with Joe Biden and Don Lemon just, 
<laughs> that's not time well spent in, in Tim's world. Well, and, you know, going by the picture shared by reporters, it was not a packed audience either. Uh, basically, it was one of those issues where they had people kind of packed near the front, or not packed, but they had people sitting closer to the front. So that Or they in Cincinnati like at some school. Yes, some university, Cincinnati. Some, mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, which is a state that How he long lost was it? to Donald Trump. Uh, it's two hours, maybe three. Wow. You mean President Biden was on stage taking questions for two hours? I believe so. I'm going I'm well, to verify I, this I to make sure. I give him props for, for that, uh, even though the, the word salad answers. I mean, the guy stayed up late. and <laughs> Huh? And, and He knew he had a friendly moderator he, in he, Don Lemon. He, he took all those fiery dar- darts from Don <laughs> Lemon. And the people in the audience, it was a town hall, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, was it staged, Chris? Was it? Was, it yes. Yeah, I know it was staged, but uh, did they tip him off on the questions? Oh, I'm sure they did. Okay. Um, now, I think uh, most people in positions of power probably assume they're going to be asked about things involving COVID-19. Yeah. That was a big thing, too. But also the president, uh, you know, he's been pushing infrastructure um, climate change, um, all kinds of things. So yeah. I think going into it, you assume, especially on CNN, that they're going to ask you about these things because you, CNN is in favor. I tell you, his answer on the filibuster is going to tick off a whole lot of Democrats yes. today, Ray. Don't right. you think? Mm-hmm. Right. right. They, they'll probably spout off because uh, some of them will, uh, mm-hmm. at least, because that's not worth what they want. They they want to hear. Well, even Chuck Schumer, there. You know, the threat has been there now. Through the election campaign, yeah, we get into power, uh, you know, pack the court, get rid of the filibuster, all of yeah. those plans. Joe Biden is kind of digging in his heels on this. Yeah, I do think this is th- 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 those Democrats feel like this is their moment in time because mm-hmm. the chances are high that the Democrats are going to lose the House in next year. Nancy Pelosi will be out; she'll be probably retiring back to San Francisco you know, to her ice cream, uh, freezer and her, two of them and her, and her private beauty parlor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that's probably what's going to happen next year. And the likelihood is that the Democrats may in fact lose the Senate uh, by, by a vote or two or three, who knows that may not happen, but even if they only lose Mm -hmm. the house, it's, it's bad news for the quote squad and the progressives and what the Democrats want to do. So uh, that's why they're so anxious right now uh, for ending the filibuster because they feel like they've got to get this done now or else the Republicans may be back in power. Sure. Historically speaking, the party that occupies the White House loses uh, something in Congress during the midterm elections. It happened to Trump. It happened to Obama. It happened to to a lot of presidents. Uh, Point of clarification, I I need to correct some things. It was not a two-hour event. It was one hour. Basically, people talked about it for two or three hours afterward. Um, so I was incorrect when I said it was two to three hours. It was only one it hour. Felt long. like it was three hours. Yes, as do a lot of somebody things can politics. talk about <laughs> a one-hour Joe Biden give and take with Don Lemon for two more hours. Oh sure, yeah. I mean that was analysis on social media. You have the actual reporters, and then you have the Twitter okay. Twitter journalists. You know, next story, Chris. Well, let's do this real quick because it is uh, something that is going to be talked about and greatly analyzed today a little bit about that town hall meeting and then we'll move on from this topic um don lemon did ask president joe biden about the republican claims that democrats want to quote defund the police clip three 
How do you respond to Republicans who try to paint you and your party as anti-police? They're lying. We have to change police conduct. We have to have rules where things are open. We have to have rules where you can be able to determine what the background, how many times a cop has violated the rules and be able to have access to what's going on in police departments so the Justice Department can get involved in whether or not they have to change their pattern and practices. I've always said that. What about defunding the police, though? Because there's no, a, I've never, never, never said defunding the police. Look, I don't know any community, particularly the communities that are in the most need and the poorest and the most at risk, that don't want police. They want police, though, to look at them as equals. Now, the president is of the opinion that Republicans are, quote, lying about Democrats wanting to defund the police. But what you're going to hear here is a montage of Democrats, including Kamala Harris, talking about defunding the police. Clip four. Yes, I support the defund movement. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. I am for defunding the police. A moment to reimagine policing, to take things off the shoulders. In many cities in America, over one third of their city budget goes to police. So we have to have this conversation. What are we doing? Okay, just to be clear, that last uh, voice mm-hmm. was that of Vice President Kamala Harris yes. before she was Vice was, President? I believe it was at one point last okay, year. Okay, and, and, and she said, right, did you, I, she's talking about defunding the police. That's what it sounded like. Yes. yes. Exactly now, like now, by, now, now, I will say this to Biden's defense. I've never heard him say right. uh, defund the police. And uh, he he gets he bristles when that topic's brought up like it like he did with uh, Joe Biden and I and I wouldn't say to be fair too that the Democrat Party uh, across the board is for defunding mm-hmm. the police, but there is a element, including I guess Kamala Harris, although she may have to get in line with Biden now, as vice presidents typically do. They have to reverse course on what they previously mm-hmm. said because they have to line up with their boss. That's not unusual, but uh, but there is a there is a hard left element inside the Democrat Party that is for defunding the police. Well, and it's <clears throat> that's a fact. And for Joe Biden to say Republicans are lying when they say Democrats when they say Democrats want to defund the police, let's go to Minneapolis. You have a city council in the wake of George All Floyd. All Democrats. Yes. Defund the police. We need more social workers. And they did, and then they regretted it. That's right. New York City, run by Democrats. Defund the police. Baltimore, big defund the police movement by the Democrat leadership there. So for Joe Biden to say that Republicans are lying when they say Democrats and Democrat cities, uh, Seattle, Portland, on and on it goes. These are all cities run by Democrats who favor defunding the police department, reducing yeah. the police budget. By uh, the way, yes, yes. That's a fact. Uh, 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 before we go to break, I was watching the news here. I, I was listening to you too, Fred. Okay. I was doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, what do you call that? Multitasking. There you go, Ray. Mm-hmm. I was multitasking right there. Uh, in Dubai, that's the uh, United Arab Emirates, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Middle East, they created artificial rain. Have you I, heard about this? I have not. I'd like to see that story fleshed out a bit. Chris, can you break that down for us scientifically? 
I cannot. Um, I, I cannot. But I, I've seen you know, news reports on this. Right. They tried to do it to escape really high temperatures. Ray, you, you, do you see this, Ray? No. I, the, art, I'm not what, making what, this what, up. No. What is artificial rain? Uh, that's what I'm asking you guys here, and I'm very disappointed that uh, you guys don't have any more scientific knowledge than... Is that like when they seed the rain clouds to yes. make them rain? Okay. Yes, they made it rain artificially in... Uh, right. good. They, they, they used... They followed the science, That's and they created important. some kind of rain cloud out of thin air. Kind of like if you've ever been to a magic show yeah. and seen How them pull the rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. That's what they pulled the rain out of the air. There. So, anyway, I just don't, didn't know if you guys... So now they're going to start selling it. They sell oil. So if you can make <laughs> rain, sell rain, sell rain in California. <laughs> That's good. They could use it. They could use it. That's that right. is crazy. Make it rain over the fires. I'm going to tell you something. They can take that somewhere else. All right. Drones, from where, I, from where drones we live. Are, drones, drones are zapping clouds with electricity to create rain in the United Arab Emirates. Z- drones? Drones. Drones, drones like like are it. zapping clouds with electricity. Wow. All right. Uh, we're going to take a short uh, rain check right here. <laughs> nice. Uh, couldn't nice. resist. And we'll be back momentarily. I think I've got a stumper for you this week. Trivia Friday. You know you laugh, and you know you always learn something. What vegetable did an ancient Egyptian place his right hand when taking an oath? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny now, but put yourself in my place. That funny, Jim? It is. But listen to the question. (laughs) Trivia Friday. You'll want to tune in. 10 a.m. Central on American Family Radio. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unrocked my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit inhisimage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. CNN hosted a town hall meeting with President Biden Wednesday night, and based on what I saw, I have sincere doubts the president has the mental capacity to be the leader of the free world. Getting lost in his thoughts, rambling about this and that, incoherent at times, he said something about telling kids about a man on the moon. At the very least, signs of cognitive decline, at the worst, possible dementia. 
At one point, Joe Biden admitted he told his staff not to show up for breakfast because he likes to wander around the White House in his bathrobe. You know the Democrats see what we do. They must think it's a big joke, but it's not funny, folks. It's elder abuse. Had President Trump said something like that, there had been immediate demands for the cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment. But I suppose we're all just going to ignore what we saw on CNN last night. An elderly man struggling to maintain his composure and his faculties on national television. I'm Todd Stearns. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. A UK study showed that obesity, not being vaccinated or unvaccinated, is the number one risk factor for serious complications with COVID, including death. Add to that a survivability rate of 99.99%, and one wonders why the Biden regime has decided to go door-to-door peddling a vaccine that doesn't even protect people from catching COVID. Striving to convince people that the vaccine is safe and available assumes that those who have decided to against COVID vaccination are uninformed, misinformed, or fearful. However, there are many who have objectively weighed the risks and decided that a so-called vaccine in which they don't know what the side effects will be in 10 years and from which they could still die from COVID isn't for them. Ask yourself, why is this shot so important to them? It obviously isn't due to health concerns. Don't react in fear. Think and then act. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the uh, program today's issues on American Family Radio, where we were discussing the expression, before the break, we were discussing the expression, quote, make it rain, end of quote, which they do in Dubai now. Uh, So that that does sound like science fiction, doesn't it, Fred? It does, but... Making your own rain? Yep. So, uh, you know, they... But, but, you know, it's kind of basic science that when you supply that energy from electricity, which is what they're doing from these drones, it makes those molecules, two hydrogen, one oxygen, come together, and you get rain. Well, as Gomer Powell would say, Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> Golly. Um, <laughs> Ray Pritchard with us. Ray, Fred Jackson, Chris Woodward, and I'm Tim Wildman, and we thank you, as always, for listening. Should you want to send us an email, just uh, use this address, comments at AFR.net, comments at AFR.net. Well, Brother Mike Mason joins us in studio right now. Mike is the author of Amazing Grace Addiction Bible Study, Amazing Grace Addiction Bible Study. And uh, how you doing, Brother Mike? I'm blessed this morning, sir. How about y'all? I called you Brother Mike. Well, you're a, you're a fellow believer, so we're brothers in Christ, but you also or an associate pastor, right? That is correct. Um, I'm blessed to be the associate pastor at uh, Cornerstone United Methodist Church here in Tupelo, which is the church that your that your daddy, Mister Don, started uh, way, way, way back, decades and decades ago. So when I was a preschooler, 
<laughs> actually, something that's been five decades ago. Yes, sir. My dad yes, sir. served there, helped, helped start that, get that church started. Um, all right, and it's still in existence today. Um, Mike, your story is a very interesting one, uh, and I would like for you to just tell folks a little bit about who you are and, and why you wrote this book. Well, uh, again, my name is Mike Mason. I'm uh, actually a Methodist uh, minister. Uh, don't hold that against me, fellas. Uh, but <laughs> who actually believes the Bible? <laughs> who actually Just to believes be clear. the Bible? That's correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not even get into that. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so uh, I, I, I had struggled mightily with alcohol uh, as a young man um, in my mid to late teens and early twenties. Um, you know, I just, I just let it, uh, I just let it in, and, and I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I didn't want to stop. For how long? Oh, uh, gosh, probably for at least 10 years as a young man. Um, but I tell you what, Lord got a hold of me, and he said, uh, just one day, he said, you don't need us anymore. And, uh, you know, he took it away. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you know you were an alcoholic? You, so you consider yourself an alcoholic? Or well, you were an alcoholic, or you just abused? I just abused it. Um, you could control you know, it, but you abused it, and you liked it. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I didn't from want like to From like 18 to 30, 18 to mm-hmm. right in there? Probably from 15 to 25. Okay. thereabouts well so. if you're enjoying it why did you think you had a problem enough to to get off of it well i mean i i i grew up in the church and i knew what was right and what wasn't so um you know the lord just kept pecking at me and pecking at me and and, and uh basically he, he he convinced me at some point that uh you know that it just wasn't doing doing me any good and i needed to i needed to stop and then when he helped me to do that he also pointed me in the direction of trying to show other people how God can help others uh, stop abusing substances. Um, you know, uh, I've come to believe, uh, I've done a lot of research. I've written a couple of books, uh, the latest one being this Amazing Grace Addiction Bible Study. But And we're going to, by the way, folks, get a pen and paper out because Mike, I'm going to let Mike tell you where to, this is a, this is a, uh, it's called Amazing Grace Addiction Bible Study. Highly recommended. I highly recommend it, and we're going to let him tell you how to get a copy of it. But go ahead. So, um, you know, over the years, I had my own struggles. Um, my brother, uh, I struggled with alcohol. My younger brother struggled with chemicals. Um, I mean, he started with marijuana and went all the way up to heroin. Um, and we both were, um, in a way, we had a drug problem when we were young. We were drug church every time the doors were open. <laughs> <laughs> so we we um, we knew better. Both of us knew better. Uh, my problem again was alcohol. His was was uh, you know hard drugs. But the Lord got a hold of both of us, and the Lord cleaned both of us out. And my brother struggled for years. Went to seven different secular rehabs, and uh, none of them did any good. He went to a, a faith based rehab, and the Lord really got a hold of him, and it changed his life. Not to, we're not putting down secular no, sir. Uh, help centers that try to help people. But let's be honest, uh, only God Almighty can change your want to. Amen. That's right. right. That's right. And so there's a, there's a limit to what secular, um, what do you call them? Treatment centers? Treatment centers. Treatment centers. centers. Do. It's a $20 billion industry. But if you get, you, were get, you went to somebody... That said, I went to the one who made me. (laughs) 
And he said, I didn't make you the way you are now. I made you to be something different. And, God spoke uh, to you like that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He, he, he told me one day, he said, you, you know, you don't need this anymore, and I'm going to take it away. And that's what he did. Well. I don't know why, but he did. Tell people. I know we have other questions here from the other guys here, but how did uh, how can people get your? All right, you, uh, who, who did you write it for? And and, and I wrote who, I wrote it for folks um, that were like me, that um, you know I, I've been dealing with addicts for more than thirty years, and for the most part, they're they're vaguely spiritual people. You know, they they kind of recognize the existence of of God, but they don't really know where to start. So this was created uh, basically just to walk people through the very fundamentals of Christianity and then work their way up. Uh, I think the problem, and again, we're, we're, I'm not getting on uh, you know secular recovery mm-hmm. programs, but I, the, the main problem, I think, with the way that they approach uh, addiction um, is that they are very well tied and, mm-hmm. and married to the disease concept of addiction, which says that you were just born with a problem. And that you will always have that problem. It's genetic. It's genetic, and you mm-hmm. can't get cured, but you can just fight against the symptoms. I that hadn't been my experience. It wasn't my brother's experience. And like I said, I've been around addicts for thirty years. It wasn't, you know, it hasn't been my experience in dealing with other folks. I worked with the the state-run drug court program here mm-hmm. in Mississippi. Um, it, generally speaking, I think people um, they use that as a crutch. Uh, if you if somebody tells you that you can't do something every day, how hard are you really going to try to stop doing it? Mm-hmm. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, people tell well, you know, they say well, well, you were born this way, you have a genetic issue, you have all these other issues, but but you can't help it. Um, that's one of the reasons I think people regress to that type of behavior. And what it does is it takes the the personal responsibility out of the equation completely. It's my belief, um, and a lot of people agree, and a lot of people disagree, that addiction is a deep-seated form of idolatry. Okay, we love substances or we love behaviors, uh, you know, uh, gambling, for instance, mm-hmm. more than we love God, and in in a sense, more than we love ourselves. So when we focus fully on that, then we lose focus on God. We lose focus on ourselves. So what I'm trying to to do with this with the books that I have written is to try to get people to realize and to wake up and say, all right, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking in the wrong direction and I need to start looking inward, but I also need to start looking upward. Mm-hmm. Give, me the the title, give me the title of your uh, Bible study and how people can get it. Uh, it's called the Amazing Grace Addiction Bible Study. Uh, it's available on, on, on all kinds of different things, but we've got a special deal that actually is going to end up being sponsored by AFA, we're going to give away copies of this book to anybody that asks. All you have to do is go to addictionbiblestudy.com and click on the the uh, the button uh, to subscribe. If you'll send me your email, we will send you a free copy uh, and pay the freight and pay everything. Because, again, I, this is not a money-making uh, thing. I don't have a large uh, ministry to support or anything like that. Lord said get this information out there, and I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to tell, do that. Tell folks again where? Addictionbiblestudy.com. Click on the uh, button f- to subscribe, basically to add your name to the mailing list, and I'll get you. And I'll get free. with you. Yes, sir. It's free. free. Can you order more you than one? You can order. You can get as many as you, as you need. Yeah. Just as long as you use them. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, but yeah, uh, I mean, Ray, did you have a – did you have something you wanted to ask, Mike? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about uh, the Bible study. Flesh out for us just a little bit more, Mike. 
what's actually in the Bible study? Is it a number of days of devotions? And who are you aiming this at? Is it, you mentioned from 15 to 25, is that kind of the age range you're looking at or a little older or what? I mean, the great part about about God and the way he handles us is that he deals with us, um, you know, whether we're six or whether we're 60, um, you know, in, in the best way. This is a, this Bible study has 16 sessions. Um, it's, again, it starts very simply. But in, in the beginning, I try to make the case, again, that addiction is, is a deep-seated form of idolatry. And if you begin to understand addiction from that perspective, then I think the church is uniquely um, positioned to be able to help people because if it is, and in fact, idolatry, and it's something, you know, it's idolatry is just a sin just like every other sin, right? I mean, God listed it pretty high up in the Ten Commandments because he really doesn't care for it, I would assume. Mm. But the bottom line is it's sin, and you deal with it the same way that you deal with sin. Um, you, you, you confess and you repent, and then you do what you can to try to begin the process of sanctification so that we can become more like Christ. Um, and, and I think pastors, I think churches uh, are out there looking for different ways to reach this type of uh, community there are programs out there. There's a program called Celebrate Recovery. It's a good program based out of California. But again, the real problem is that that program is based on the disease concept. So it, it, it you know, it, it doesn't focus on personal responsibility. It just doesn't. I heard a pastor say one time, and I know this may, hopefully it won't offend anybody, but they, may, they were making a point. To your point, Mike, they said... Uh, alcoholism is the only disease you can buy in a bottle. Uh, I mean, and by that, I think he was saying alcoholism, uh, while, while, while it is an addiction and it is a temptation and it is a burden for people because of what it does chemically to their body to make them want to do it again, as is the case with a lot of addictions. But you call something a disease, I'm thinking cancer. I'm thinking uh, something that they that can't be helped, uh, that is just we don't know why people got something the way, right? Yes, sir. And that, that individual is not personally responsible for their disease. That's the way I think. I think that's the way a majority of people think. And this is what I think is this what you're saying is that if you take that approach instead of starting out saying no this is uh this is a a choice you make when you pour the bottle down your throat if you fully embrace the disease that, concept of it? addiction it takes all the pressure off um what because, about the personal responsibility yeah then? i mean it uh, basically when you believe what people tell you that that you were made this way so even when you fight and you do what you can to stay clean for a while, eventually you're going to uh, – it gives you an excuse to regress back to what you were before. Okay. But it, but it's, but you're still sympathetic. I'm putting words – I know you are. I mean, I know the answer <laughs> to this. But you're still sympathetic with with the physical addiction that people have to deal with that they that some, that some people can't get off of by themselves. There's absolutely no doubt that there is a physical component to addiction. Right. All I'm saying is that the physical component to addiction, the part that makes you want to continue, cannot overrule your free will. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. It can't, you know, about, you know, alcohol doesn't jump down your throat, 
right? Mm-hmm. Drugs don't jump into your veins. You have to make a, a choice. And, there, and I think that that choice is something that is overlooked, at least in secular recovery. Um, it's overlooked in the AA program. Um, it's, you know, there's, it, it's, it's a fru- it creates a frustrating paradox where it gives people an excuse to continue using. Really? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, listen, Mike, uh, thanks for sharing with us this morning. And uh, I know you, you, you don't get paid to do this. I mean, you, you, you wrote these books just because you want to help people uh, get, get free of, of addictions. And uh, you're offering this book uh, free to any but the, the study guide. Again, how, where, where can people get it? Get a uh, copy? You can go to addictionbiblestudy.com and click on the link to add your name to our mailing list. If you'll send me an email, I will send you a free copy. It's funny, we, we do a small local radio show here, and, and we speak to people that struggle, and we speak to family members of people that struggle. We've had some remarkable conversations. Amen. Radio is a great medium uh, to try to get this word mm-hmm. out, and I appreciate all that y'all do every day. Thank you, Brother Mike. And Thank we you. also put this on our Facebook page, our Today's Issues Facebook page. We put a link to the uh, book. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, sir. All right. That's Mike Mason in studio with us. He lives in Tupelo, Mississippi. So appreciate you making the seven-minute trek <laughs> over to be with us, brother. All right, you're listening to Today's Issues on American Family Radio. Uh, Dr. Alex McFarland joins us now. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, everybody. Where are you today? I am in the beautiful state of North Carolina. Are you, are you at home? or I am in okay. Greensboro, North Carolina. You just sound uh, different, like you're using the phone instead of the uh, Comrex or something. I am. I'm on the, the telephone version of Comrex. I apologize. I don't know. It just sounds different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay, Fred had a question for you, Alex. Go ahead, Fred. Yeah, Alex, we've been dealing uh, – news stories uh, almost on a daily basis now, and the latest unemployment figures came out this morning. They are up over last month. And one of the things employers are saying is that a lot of people are content just to stay at home and collect unemployment versus going out and finding a job. And I was thinking about that recently, went through uh, Proverbs, and Proverbs has a lot to say about uh, working. And God really likes the idea of people going out to work for a living, and, and, and the scripture tells us if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Uh, so I, I wonder when it comes down to work ethic, can you talk a little bit uh, about what the Bible says about that? Well, well, I'm glad you're tackling this topic. Yeah, the Bible has a lot to say about work. And, uh, you know, the Bible also said, well, you know, you mentioned Proverbs. Proverbs 10 says, uh, the, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth, but it goes on and it says there's work that goes with it. Diligent hands rule, but laziness ends in forced labor, says Proverbs twelve twenty four. And so um, I actually think that the, the welfare state and incentivizing unemployment and paying people to stay home, I, I think it's immoral. I actually do. I mean, uh, I know that a lot of the proponents of of welfare and really almost socialism, they think they're being compassionate. But it, I would say this, it's dehumanizing to give people bare subsistence and pay them enough to stay home that they, they don't go seek gainful employment. Uh, that's not compassionate. It, it really enslaves people to the, the scraps and handouts of the state. 
right? So is work in the biblical sense, is it, you know, the Bible, I'm thinking about the book of Genesis, Alex, which talks about the sweat of the brow. God gave Adam work to do before the fall, but then the fall came, and then there's some bad news about the thorns and thistles and the and the sweat of your brow. Is work part of the curse, or is work part of our service for God, or is it is it both? You know, work is not the curse. Now, very often, sometimes the the drudgery and maybe the the hardness and the feelings of futility uh, are part of the curse. Uh, God told Adam, you know, by the sweat of your brow, you'll till the ground and grow your food. But I want to say in the strongest possible terms, work is a blessing. Work, Work is a gift from God. And, you know, whether you're um, you know, a business person or an educator or, you know, you're doing what they used to call entry-level jobs. We all did. I mean, we all, you know, from mowing yards to uh, loaded trucks in a warehouse, worked on my daddy's farm. Um, it's such a gift that you can trade time and skill for money. Isn't that a blessing? And, and I honestly think it is very demoralizing to um, essentially, like the Democrats and the liberals do, to make people believe that they're a victim and they're helpless. And so, you, you know, you can't make it without. Oops. You yep. can't make it without a telephone connection. I think that's what he's trying <laughs> Sorry to about say. about that. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. You were saying we can't well, make it without something. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and this in a way relates to what you were talking about, about um, making everything a disease. See, we're living in a culture uh, where two philosophies are being foisted on people, determinism and victimism. Mm. See, um, your, your bad behavioral choices aren't to blame. It's just predetermined. You've got this disease. Uh, and the, the society is at fault for your status. You're a victim. And no, to your question, Ray, Work is a gift from God. Mm. I mean, it really is. Now, in a fall, uh, we're gonna have to end this. Yeah. Just tell Alex, thank you for his uh, participation today, and and because uh, we got a bad phone connection. Ray, your, your thoughts on on what he was talking about? Well, he's a hundred percent right, isn't he? The the very last thing he said, work is a gift from God. Yes, after the fall, it's difficult sometimes. Yes, there is drudgery. Yes, there is the sweat of the brow. But, Fred, to go back to what you were saying about the book of Proverbs, not only does Proverbs have something to say about the importance of hard work, it has some really stiff warnings, doesn't it, to the lazy man, the man who will not get out of bed. Yeah, uh, Proverbs is not, uh, you'll not find an endorsement for socialism there. (laughs) You'll not find an endorsement. Now, I want to say, uh, I want to, Put something in parenthesis here. We are not talking about people who go to work one morning and uh, the company says we're shutting down and we're putting everybody on unemployment. We're not talking about those folks. They want to work, but their company has said, you know, we're going out of business. Not and and so they're, they're they get unemployment for a bridging until they find another job. What I'm talking about here is what the kind of programs that we're seeing out there now being offered by the Biden administration where employers are saying, I have jobs, Mm -hmm. come and get the jobs. I don't know what it's like in your town there, Ray, but here in our hometown, I'm going by businesses that have signs out front saying, we're hiring, we're hiring. 
thousand dollar signing bonus thousand dollar signing bonuses all those sorts of things and the people are saying wait a minute i I, i'm getting three hundred dollars extra a week from joe biden uh i'm sorry i'm just going to stay home and collect that that package and this is the kind of thing that i believe scripture condemns hey listen if you want some good testimony about the value of work uh listen to what dr ben carson Listen to what Dr. Carol Swain say in their testimony. The kind of poverty they grew up in, we're talking about two-bedroom shacks where they started out in very poor families, but they understood the value of work. They worked their way out of it. Nobody gave them a free ride. And I would encourage you to read their testimony. Mm-hmm. They're both uh, wonderful Christians. Read their, bo- read their books, read their testimony. You'll see how God blesses good hard work. Well, somebody that's getting blessed for work is a person in New Hampshire that is going back to work. I think a lot of people may not be aware of this, but uh, Governor Chris Sununu in recent days uh, announced and talked up what they're calling a summer stipend program. New Hampshire, the live free or die state, is actually giving people anywhere from 500 to to $1,000 for going back to work versus staying home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give that incentive. And New Hampshire, by the way, has one of the lowest, if not the lowest, unemployment well, rate in the country. <clears throat> I have a uh, opinion and a theory, uh, which uh, some people may object to, but I think most. I think that that the Democrats in Washington D.C. want to get as many people addicted to federal assistance as possible, so that they can control them. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree, and that's the objective. So when the Democrats and Biden are handing out these billions and trillions of dollars. And telling everybody uh, they're Santa Claus, and you, mm-hmm. they're saying we're going to give you free money in return for votes. Yes. Okay. So you vote for Democrats, free money. They don't tell you about hyperinflation. No. They don't tell you about uh, what's going to happen down the road. It's hand out the candy down. They don't tell you about the cavities. Mm. Right. Man, that was that was. I just came yeah. up with that. Guys. And people don't realize that- what inflation is because <laughs> schools don't teach it anymore. Yeah. No. 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 All right, we'll be back in five minutes after the news. Uh, we uh, thank you for listening to AFR. We'll be back momentarily. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.